What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Not So Daily Podcast. Today is a very special and exciting episode because I have an awesome guest with me, my one and only father, Scott Daly. You can introduce yourself. What's up, Kit? Thanks for having me. Of course. Glad to have you on. No, this is a little different for the both of us, so just bear with us. But I thought that my dad could be a great guest on the pod because he's taught me a lot in my life, and we're never really sentimental in that sort of way. But he's given me some good advice, and I thought maybe I could share some of that with you guys. But with that, we can sort of talk about you growing up and where you grew up and what your family life was like and what you had to deal with in that transition into being a successful dad and adult and businessman. Okay, we can do that. You want to start with my childhood? Sure, whatever, whatever you want. All right. Well, we grew up in Matthews. South of Charlotte. Yes. Maybe some people know it, but maybe not. It's very close to Matthews Elementary School. (laughs) Well, I mean, I walked to school back then and just a little history. We had very little means at that time, but we were had fun. All kinds of sports. Mom and dad struggled to, you know get through things. So I don't know if you want any more details on that. You could ask me some pertinent questions if you want to. Did you feel like when you were younger, you had to be more independent in that sort of sense? And were you, you're the oldest? I am. Did you feel like you had to play more of a fatherly figure in any sort of way for your younger siblings or no? No, I mean, Uncle Tim, my brother, he's the middle. He was 18 months younger, so we were pretty close to each other in age, played sports together. Amy, the youngest, she was six years my um, junior. So the big age gap at that moment in time, so I didn't really – she was so young, I wasn't able to give her any advice. And I was not, at that moment in time, giving anyone advice. I didn't have any idea what life was about and – you know, we moved at, when I was 15, we moved to Mint Hill, which is where my mom lives right now. Is that far away from Matthew? From I bet it's four or five miles from where yeah. it was then. No, that's only like 10, 20 minutes. Yeah, or probably less. And coincidentally, that's a couple of miles away from your mom's parents, mm-hmm. my wife's yeah. parents. Yep, I got both grandparents one mile within each other in Mint Hill. Lucky you. Lucky me. So, what about your college life? And so my dad went to UNCC, which is University of North Carolina of Charlotte. So, in the same area. But I know that you were captain on the soccer team in high school, right? I was. I mean, I was very athletic. 
mm-hmm. played baseball, soccer, and so did Tim. Um, you played baseball in high school? No, not in high school. I did not make the team. Oh. Well, so, that doesn't really count, right? No, but I think I probably could have if I had a little more confidence in myself at the time. At those mm-hmm. times, I, I didn't have any confidence in what I was doing. And that was saying with um, soccer, you tried out for college soccer? Uh, that was more about my skill level. Oh. I couldn't make it. I wasn't good enough once you got to the college level. Oh. I was I, way too slow. I thought for you soccer said then. that you could have made it. Maybe, but I could not have made the UNCC team. I went to East Carolina for one year prior to that. Oh. I should have made that team, but I didn't because I, for whatever reason, I just didn't make that team. Gotcha. Forgot you went to ECU. Yeah. Now, Uncle Tim, my brother, he was extremely good in soccer as high school progressed. And he actually got a scholarship to UNCC, tried out for the national team, didn't make that. But I, he did make the Southeastern national team. So his soccer career really kind of blew up out of the out of the blue. Nice. Well, when did so right after you graduated from college, what was your first job? Uh, my first job was September 1990, right into the stock market, Interstate Johnson Lane, mm-hmm. which is a. It was a small regional firm founded here in Charlotte, which was bought out, I think in 1997 by First Union. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer around. And when did you start your own company and how did you do that tra- or the transition from working for a firm into building <clears throat> your own company and I and talk about like the confidence level, what it took to get there and what you needed to do for that. All right, I can do that. Why don't we go back to talk about how I even got interested in the sure, finance yeah. Let's give some background information first. Um, because I had no direction whatsoever, high school, college, for just whatever reason. And I got a job at Man Travels mm-hmm. and delivered plane tickets downtown. And I delivered plane tickets to executives at Interstate Johnson Lane. So I got to see the trading floor. A lot of the executives, you know, they were trading money for people. That was my original interest in uh, the stock market. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, UNCC economics degree um, became licensed to become a broker while I was in school. And what do you kind have of to long- do to become licensed to be a broker? At that time, it was just two, you had to take two tests, a series 63 and a series seven. And the series seven was a lengthy test, pretty difficult, kind of weeding out of people. Mm -hmm. Um, If you remember, I had my first, well, I had a little health issue where I had to drop out of school for a semester. And then the firm that hired me, I did not ultimately go to, and then I ended up at Interstate Johnson Lane at that point. Gotcha. So... Mm-hmm. And I just worked my tail off at IJL, really not knowing anything, and which then, was a great experience being able to work that hard and have success just from, you know, 
putting in the hours, not knowing that much. And how long did you work there until you started your own business? Well, I stayed at Interstate until 97. Um, it's probably a year before they were bought out, give or take some months, and uh, moved to Morgan Stanley in Charlotte. Stayed there, which was a great experience for me at Morgan Stanley until 2001 or two, and then transferred or removed firms to Smith Barney, owned by Citigroup, horrible experience, too haven't, corporate, too big. Haven't heard of any of that. Smith Barney's gone now. Most of these places are all gone. But working for a large corporation was never what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, too many politics. And that was certainly what I found out there. And that's ultimately what pushed me out the door to start my own company in 2004. Interesting. I feel like I am kind of along the same lines in that sort of sense. I feel like it could be a fun experience to work for a large corporation. And one of the things that it would just be nice to have the benefits with time paid off and um, what's the word? Insurance? <laughs> well, yes, the benefit. There is certain comfort blanket of working for a big firm, mm -hmm. but you have to put up with a lot of keeping the language clean here. You got to put up with a lot of crap at I, those firms. I cuss on here sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Now, being your own person, there are more responsibilities. It's more stressful, but the rewards are, I think, a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think you like more about working on your own? other than the obvious benefits of not having to deal with people's crap and stuff and time flexibility? Well, my industry is different than most. I'm being a financial advisor, managing a small hedge fund. When you work for a larger firm, they want you to sell their products. They want you to do it their way. Mm -hmm. I have the capability to do whatever I feel is appropriate for the clients. And especially when you were Smith Barney, they wanted you to do everything the Smith Barney way. I did not do that. And within six months, the management was sitting in my office telling me what to do. Hmm. Interesting, because my internship right now, I'm starting to really dislike it a lot because, <laughs> but it's different for me because I'm supposed to be selling stuff to people that don't need it until the fall but my manager is making me set up meetings with people right now in june to show them the platform and what we offer and nobody is replying and nobody wants to and if nobody texts me back i'm supposed to follow up every two to four days consistently and annoy people that i have mutual friends with and they're probably I don't know. And I talked to this other guy who's the campus rep for my internship, and he told me that the meetings are BS and we don't need to do them. But my manager's making me anyways, and I have to follow what they want to do, and I don't like it. Uh, I wouldn't like that either, and the people on the other end don't like it when you force things. Exactly. Especially, it's not time sensitive. That's going to be later in the summer. Mm -hmm. And I hear those conversations you're having or listening to that. So I don't, I don't fully understand it, but. 
Um, what would you say one of your biggest mistakes has been in the work industry? And then we could go on after that to talk about one of your greatest successes in the industry. Uh, well, my biggest mistake. Or biggest like lesson you've learned. It doesn't have to be a failure or any of those sorts. Uh, well, I might twist that a little bit. I mean, you know, my career, I worked really hard. Things took off quickly. I was management lobby at Interstate Johnson Lane. Morgan Stanley was great for me. And I went out on my own, had success pretty quickly in 04. And the hedge fund I had did extremely well, even through the 08, 09 debacle we, we all went through. And the recession. Yeah, it was it was more than a recession. It was an epic recession. But my numbers were so much better than everyone else. I thought I was going to like double the size of my hedge fund then. But the clients got so scared, they just wanted their money back. So at that point, I was not prepared for that. I had to shut my hedge fund down at the end of 08 and had nothing on the other side. So I had to stop everything, recalibrate, and had no income or because I wasn't licensed at the time. Now I have a registered investment advisory firm and a hedge fund. So I had to create the RIA in several months after that. So there was like three, six, seven months where I had zero mm. company. And how did you deal with that? Not well. It was <laughs> insanely stressful. And I had to take an additional test to get back into and I don't want it to, you know, industry complicated, the RIA, which is similar to a stockbroker. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, that was the most stressful test I've ever taken. If I didn't pass that test at that time, I would have had no income for. It would have been SOL. Yes. So, and it was when you're sitting in those other computer rooms up in Salisbury, taking the test, scored 74 or 76, whatever. So at that point, that's when I transitioned from, you know, shutting on the hedge fund at the end of 08, creating the. RIA mid nine, I guess, May or June of 09. And then started another hedge fund in early 2012. Got it. So well, I think the big and the, going back to your question that my biggest mistake was not having enough clients at that moment in time and not having a plan when the, you know, the crap hits the fan and it really did that. Mm hmm. So, I always be prepared for something like that. Yeah. And would you say what you learned best from your mistake was just to be prepared? <laughs> yeah. And I guess I sh maybe should have been more in touch with my clients to see where their mindset was at the time. Mm -hmm. Communicative. Yes. Communicative. <laughs> well, you know, yes, you need to be. I mean, and I am not the best at that. And I'm very aware of that. But yes, you're, especially in my business, it's very personal. You're dealing with their money. You want to know where their head is, mm -hmm. make sure everyone's cool and happy and not, you know, freaking out, which everyone did at that time. I mean, that was a moment in time we'll never see again. Facts. Hopefully not. No, we won't. And switching gears, we can more so hop off the work track, but... We can, so do you have a biggest success in life 
And I know well, that could be work too. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say other than the family, you know, mm -hmm. things like that, that, you know, the cliches, kids, wives, whatever. <laughs> but there were several, I mean, professionally that, um, you know, stick out in my mind. And I kind of forgot about this when I was talking to you earlier, but in, uh, 95 being a stockbroker, you have to cold call people all the time. You don't do it now, but then you had to, I would cold call for a hundred times a day. And I came across this one guy who was in the mortgage business here in Charlotte and kept bothering him and bothering him. And he gave me a referral to some guy in Greensboro and he wanted to, I don't know, raise money somehow. So I got my investment banking department in touch with him. And I brought the biggest investment banking deal to Interstate Johnson Lane in 1995. Well, this is good for me, but it's bad for IJL if my deal was the biggest one that was brought to the firm. But I got a, a big paycheck for that. So that was great. And then um, I think after that, I, you know, when you start out, you have all these monetary goals and things like that, which are not that important at this point in my life. But I mean, I hit all those goals I wanted to hit by 35. I had that convertible sports car, blah, 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 all those things. He had that Porsche. You can throw that out if you want, yes. Mm -hmm. But then he sold it and lost money off of it. So That is completely irrelevant. Wasn't too much of a success. That's because either. Kit was being born that year and I had to get rid of it to get a bigger car. Oh, well, that's okay then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about your wife and your family. So my wife and my family, I thought we were going to talk about, you know, mental attitudes. I'm sure we can go there. Well, we are in a second, but just some more background because, you know, the two main focuses in life are work and family, I would say. Yes. If you're thinking about it in that sort of sense, but. So my mom and dad met pretty at a pretty young age, 16 and 19, I believe. Yes, you're right. And they got married in 1993. So this is a big anniversary coming up. Oh, yeah. They're about to have their 30 years. 30th. That's exciting. So would you say with starting a family and having three kids, was that a huge difference in your working environment? Or how to reword this? Was it a big challenge to? It was not a big adjustment, if that's yeah, where you're asking. Yeah. No, it was pretty smooth, I think. Because um, I feel like a lot of people, if you're my age or a little older, who are planning to have kids later in life. I feel like everyone's biggest fear is that kids are just going to suck the money out of you. I never thought about that once. That's good. And I will think. I already think about that. I might irritate some people, but you, your generation thinks a lot. Things usually work out. I mean, if you do the right things, treat people right, work hard. Mm -hmm. So actually... Having kids and getting married, I never thought about the money aspect of it, ever. I just thought about the love and the awesomeness. I didn't think about anything. I think, I mean, our first was born in 97. And 
I think prior to that, and that was when my career was taking off anyway. So I really wasn't worried about Mm -hmm. the monetary aspect of it. I had that big deal closed in 1995. I was, you know, the management loved me because I was one of the up and coming, you know, I don't want to say a star, but I was, I was a successful rookie they brought in and they did not want to hire me. And I'll back up a little bit, tell you how bad it was when they hired me. It was in 1990 during the oil crisis and it was a bear market and they still hired me in September of 1990. But my income, I had six months of income, started at a thousand bucks a month, went, ended up at 500 the month six and went to zero after that. I'll commission for that. Hmm. I wasn't listening to any of that. You weren't listening to any of that. <laughs> a thousand to 500 to zero. Yes. A thousand like, and then it just dwindled down to 500 in six months. And then it was zero in dollars. You're talking about dollars per month prior to taxes. Gotcha. Well, I'm making more than that right now. Yes, you are. So that's my point. I was, I made zero money. So I had to work my ass off to make mm-hmm. sure, you know, two years down the road or whatever, there would be something there. He started from the bottom and made his way up guys. Just like we all can do. Yes, we all can. And so do you have a life lesson or anything like that that stuck to you that you would still apply to your daily life now or something that you would tell your younger self? My Yes, my younger self. I... I could have shortened my learning curve tremendously had I um, like allowed myself to have a mentor. I was so young and naive and didn't know what I was doing. I thought I could just kind of recreate the wheel, do something different. And if I had a mentor who was an expert in whatever firm this person, any person would be in or their own firm, that would just like cut down your learning curve by so many years. And and if you can't have a mentor, find a mentor, just read books as many as you can about any of the smart people in your industry. Um, I mean, you know, t- you can throw out any name you want, Steve Jobs, blah, 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 Bill Gates. David Goggins. Yes. Well, he's motivational and he's a great guy. I love his books, but have a mentor so you can learn what you're doing and it will help you. I didn't even know people had mentors. Are they so popular today or is that more of a life coach? Okay. Life coach is more popular, but I have a, yeah, that's generic. I'm talking like specifically within your industry of where your focus is. Mm-hmm. And it might not be applicable to everyone, but anything you can learn about what you're doing, learn as much as possible. And I've just read over and over and over. You're not recreating the wheel. You're just trying to improve on, the business you're doing. So that does, that was one of my biggest things. I didn't, I just assumed I could do it all myself. Now I read a lot of books, but I wish a, a good example, a broker I worked with Tim, his dad as a longtime broker. And he offered to have me come to his house for a weekend and learn how to invest in stocks. What did I say? Nope. I said, Nope. I did not. I want to do it on my own. And that would have just put me light years ahead. Mm-hmm. rather than taking the time and effort, uh, you know, the uh, struggles of, you know, 
going forward, going back. So mm. get a mentor or, you know, just learn as much as you can about what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think and believe in yourself always. I had a big, big issue with that. Yeah. For whatever reason. I feel like I definitely would. I like to learn as much as I can because I don't think I'm in your shoes where I think I can do everything myself. I definitely will get all the help I can so I can be prepared and not make mistakes. But that could just be because I overthink and I worry about everything. Well, then I didn't worry about one thing and did not think about one thing. Comes with pros and cons. Right. And what would you say? What would you... mm, Maybe anything separate from work advice that you would give just from your experience of living many years. All right. This little pertains to work a little bit, but surround yourself with people that are smarter than you that you can learn from and just eliminate the people that are, you know, sadly negative all the time Mm -hmm. that just, Cast that web of, you know, negativity on everything. And you see it. You see it more than I do. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I do my best. I cut people out that are negative all the time. And or I the also... negative negativity on social media. Mm-hmm. And don't let any of that over, overlap into your personal life. Those yeah. people are, it is not worth it. I actually just talked about that on another episode because I said that I had followed a thousand people on Instagram and I said if you do use social media because I recently deleted Instagram and TikTok but I only am following people that are authentic or my close friends and not any stupid crap of models or anything that's just gonna put you in a negative headspace yes and not on the same line there, but I mean, treat everyone well and in your work life, be ethical and don't screw people over. I mean, Warren Buffett made a comment or I read somewhere way back when it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. So there are no shortcuts. And if you, if you don't want to go to any place, I'm not going to remember the quote now. Just don't anyway. manipulate people and do things the right way because things right. come at a cost. And you don't you gotta, have to if you work hard. Got to work your way up because life is going to throw curveballs at you. And you just got to be ready for unprepared situations and crazy people. Always. Got to stand your ground and. Don't let people walk over you. Yes, you should never do that, but be polite. Yeah, be polite, but also you can be a little rude if you want sometimes. If it's necessary, be, the, be as rude as hell. In the customer to. service industry, I got yelled at today. Well, just be an independent thinker. I mean, don't listen to with the don't listen to the masses. Mm-hmm. Oh, and my dad always says to when you're, well, also you need to listen more than you speak because. Wow, I wrote that down today. You remember that. If you are the person that speaks more, 
you need to just listen to what everyone else says, take in everyone else's perspectives in life because that's going to help you form your own opinions when you know more sides to the story than just forming something just on one bias from one other person. Yeah, which is what most people do today. They hear one headline and they, they run with it without looking into it at all. Yeah. And just I've always, and I tell this to your mom, just question everything. Learn about it before you form any kind of concrete. Yeah. Uh, I question a lot of stuff. I feel like. I know you do. But yeah. Well, that's good. I try to learn more every day, but some of the stuff I should already definitely know, but you know, that's all right. It is. So, I mean, just, I mean, talk about your work life as you get older. I mean, persistence and hard work and determination will get you farther Mm -hmm. than 180 IQ all day. And the ability to communicate with people is so underappreciated today. Because if you can't communicate with people, I don't care how brilliant you are, you're not going to get anything done. And I feel like that all comes with confidence. Like if you're not confident, then you're not going to be good at communicating with people. And that makes you more nervous. And then that makes you not do the things you're supposed to do just based out of fear. Well, be prepared and know your shit about whatever you're doing. Otherwise, people will see right through it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Because I have one, I've tried to wing it through meetings before, and that is a bad yeah. thing to do. Yeah, like sometimes in life, like even when I'm driving or like at work, I'll just like assume something is going to go the right way, and then it doesn't. <laughs> and so sometimes you just need to be prepared and not just assume Okay. All right. So one other thought I had working hard is extremely important. And I read a quote from Teddy Roosevelt the other day. It says, when you play, play hard. When you work, don't play at all. So you can reward yourself, work your ass off, and then you can go out and blow it out on the weekends, go on cool trips. Mm -hmm. So it's all about balance because we have been talking about working hard and all this, but I think Because another big part of my podcast is positivity, like enjoying your life and all that sort of stuff. So definitely working hard because if you want to enjoy your life, you're going to want to go to the beach. You're going to want to have time off to do the things you love because that's what life is all about. And you got to work hard to get there. You do. And always have the positive attitude. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to become negative in today's world facts i told i had a whole episode on positivity and i told them i remember in high school in 10th or 11th grade i gave up complaining for lent and i i how'd that go it was good even at school when i would try to say something i'll say it feels so good outside today it's not cold i'm thankful. i think i remember you doing that i'm thankful actually. i'm going to math class which sometimes I feel like it can be bad to fake it in that sort of sense. You should truly be grateful for the things in life. Right. But that's a good idea to do that. Because mm-hmm. it does train your brain. Because every influencer and everyone I listen to, they say you can shift the focus in your brain and you can change your mindset. You just have to work at it and catch yourself whenever you're saying or thinking negative thoughts or 
If you're worrying or getting anxious about the past or future, redirect yourself to the present. And that's very true. I mean, I mean, a lot of our lives are in our head. It is. Oh, yeah. This quote I read from, well, it was actually another podcast. Um, Lexi Hidalgo had her therapist on, but her therapist said that 90% of life is what you make out of it and the other 10 percent is x is like external things like because obviously there's unexpected like external circumstances that pop up in your life but the majority 90 percent of your life is gonna be how you make it and how you determine your life to be because you're in the driver's seat i have said that to your mama a thousand times and she is it's irritated to hear it. 90% of your life is between the ears. It's how you handle life and handle the crap. It's internal. Yeah. It Having is. that positive, happy mindset and hardworking and and realistic. Everything I mean, keep, you know. Yeah. Because it's never as bad as you think. Every There are many, many hundreds and thousands of people that have a, a worse scenario than you. Mm -hmm. So don't wallow in your crap. Yeah. And I feel like another big thing is like all these podcasts and inspiration, inspirational, motivational advice people give out. It can always seem like there's 500 things you need to work on and focus on mentally. But in reality, it all just works together and it all just takes you being chill and focused and knowing what you want to get out of life be in the moment don't worry about the future don't think about the past we've all heard those things but i mean they're cliches but they're they're cliches for a reason it's very true stay in the moment as much as you can be in the now be in the now the only time you have is right now there's no other time where live right as you're listening to this you are in the present and my words are already in the past that I just said. Wow. Okay, that's deep. All right. We will wrap this up. But I, I did read one other quote today, or I don't know when it was. I mean, lost time is never found again. So don't, I know we all waste time, but use yeah. your time effectively. I mean, yeah, you can as you guys get older. Delete social media, start journaling, reading books, spending time with your loved ones, doing the things you love, getting prepared for work and your successes and and listen to your mom and dad. They know everything. Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> Just kidding, kid. For the most part, they know. All right, well, so. thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. I hope all your millions of listeners uh, yeah, like I got, it. I got millions. Just you wait. You're about to become famous. All awesome. right. Thanks for coming on, Dad. We'll see you all on the next episode. All righty. Bye.